Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with, but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Bob Prater, and he is a former pastor and businessman who has finally settled in as a writer. Married to his wife, Danette, for over 42 years, he is the father of three daughters and grandfather to 10 beautiful grandkids. He spends a large portion of his time with people who have been marginalized and misunderstood, the poor, the LGBTQ community, and others who have been abused or forgotten. For the past 10 years, he has led a small army of volunteers to an area in his city of Bakersfield, California, where trafficking victims and addicts live. It's there that he becomes Santa or Santa Claus to their children each year. He's also the co-host of the podcast, A Christian and a Muslim Walk Into a Studio. It's a really good cliffhanger, by the way. <laughs> so you can find him at alanguageofhealing.com, alanguageofhealing.com. He also wrote the book, uh, co-authored the book, uh, A Language of Healing for Pol a Polarized Nation, Creating Safe Environments for Conversations about Race, Politics, Sexuality, and Religion. He wrote that with uh, my former guest uh, who was on the show, Wayne Jacobson. You maybe remember him as the co-author and publisher of that famous book, The Shack, mm -hmm. and as well as uh, Arnita Willis-Taylor, um, uh, also co-wrote this book as well. So, Bob, welcome to Broken Catholic. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Well, uh, listen, I, I am way less impressive than, than what he just read. Uh, and guess what? I wrote that intro. I mean, I had to write a bio. So, uh, but you know, it's not normally what I'm about. Um, I really am about the the broken, the forgotten, the poor. There's a, there's a great scripture in Proverbs that that says, "Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves." Uh, it's one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture, um, and I like that it doesn't you know it doesn't say give them money. It doesn't say yeah. You know, it says speak up. Our voices count. Um, so yeah, this is, this is me. This is, this is what I do. It took me a long time to get here, but yay. But yay. All right. Share something personal before we get into your story, something personal about you that very few people in your business life actually know. Uh, phew, something personal that, that people might not know about me. Maybe it's embarrassing. Yeah, no, I, I have plenty of em embarrassing 
things. I, I used to be in the lumber business. Uh, I grew up uh, in my teenage years in Oregon and uh, lumber is everywhere up in Oregon. If anyone's ever been there, that's, that's where most of it comes from. And, uh, and so I ended up working in lumber mills and then I ended up uh, working in lumber companies and building material companies. When I moved to Southern California, it was just a natural extension. Um, and, and they, they threw me into the deep end, a huge multi-million dollar company by running a location in North Hollywood, California, when I was only 32 years old and, uh, and full of spit and vinegar. And, and I can tell you if there, if there was ever a time in my life where I would love to have a do over is with those dear people that worked under me because I was the guy that literally, I mean, it's like I held the rule book. Wait a minute. Let me check, you know, uh, page 42, uh, paragraph three says you're not supposed to do that. So I'm going to write you up. Uh, that's who I became. And, uh, and it took a lot of unlearning for me to not be a rule follower or a rule maker. Um, and now I'm the guy, it's almost like I have a chip on my shoulder about, you know, when, when somebody tells me, uh, well, this is just how it goes. My first thought is says who? So there's something I was in the lumber business and I was terrible at it. Terrible. Thank you for being so real and transparent about that. We sure. all have those moments in our life where we wish we could go back and say, Hey, can I hit reset right there in my life? And, and Bob, you and I were speaking about that uh, before we went uh, live here, um, just about how we're going through this, this uh, time in human history that will be remembered for sure. Mm. Um, none of us have ever gone through anything like this in our human existence. Uh, and maybe we never will again, God willing. Um, but you have a different view to it. And uh, I want to go there for a second before we get back into the journey and in, in your spiritual journey. Um, your view of what is happening in the world right now is not a view of doom and gloom, from what I understand, but it is a view of God the Father's mercy for the world. Yeah. And you use the word, uh, God clicked the reboot button or the reset button yeah. on planet earth. And, uh, can you go a little deeper into explaining what you mean there and maybe just lightening some of our hearts that feel yeah. real heavy right now? I will tell you, um, I really like the concept of God being sovereign. And I really like that uh, I'm very aware that I could have been placed on the timeline of history at any point. I could have been, he could have placed me anywhere, but he, he wanted me to be born in 1956 and I'm alive today. And so that carries a certain level of responsibility for me. So I wake up every morning um, with the knowledge that I'm here with purpose. When this began to happen, it's as if the Lord's hand reached down, boom, and pressed a reset button on the earth. And, uh, you know, when, when you press a reset button, you lose power for a little bit. All the lights go out. And then, and then slowly, the, the, everything begins to reboot and to come back. And uh, this is an opportunity because he has rebooted this planet. Uh, before Joseph, it, it's interesting because it could have gone back to the days of Noah. He could, he could have taken a couple of people and an ark and then just destroyed and started over again. Uh, but he chose not to. 
and we have opportunities. So I wake up excited. I mean, I realize what's happening and I have people that I know who are being impacted by this. Uh, my wife is a school teacher and, uh, and, and she teaches first grade students in Shafter, California. So it's, it's mostly migrant kids, you know, the, the children of farm workers. Uh, and so first graders, you can imagine they're doing Zoom sessions, but it's like herding cats. She can't get them all together in the same place. So people are being affected. And there's people that are genuinely dying. I, had a, I have a daughter who is on the back end of a cancer fight. And, uh, and so she's very much at risk. So I'm aware. But at the same time, we have an opportunity as people, as the human race, as believers in Jesus, to be better, to love each other deeper, to hold people closer, and to connect in bright like this. I mean, I've been on Zoom every day for the past two weeks, uh, doing stuff with people. I've been reaching out to the to those that have been lonely and, and a little bit marginalized and those who I know are, are at risk, that isolation is not good for them. And so I've been reaching into their into their homes and saying, hey, spend some time with me on Zoom. Let's let's have some coffee and uh, and let's talk about what's happening on the earth. So yeah, that's how I view it. Here we go. What a different and refreshing outlook is, you know, rather than the social distancing, hey, let's meet for coffee on Zoom. Um, you know, and, and it's like, why does this social distancing uh, have to be create isolation? It doesn't, right? It's not. Um, so I, I really like what you're saying. And, and I think, uh, you know, I created um, a little earlier the uh, metaphor of, I said, hey, Bob, I'm looking at my laptop right now, my computer. And every now and then my computer gets cranky and it certain programs uh, slow down or stop working altogether because I have too many windows open or it's using too much memory. And I have to, in those moments, uh, I can't go any further forward. I must hit the reset button. I must reboot. I must refresh uh, so that uh, everything that was out of sync can get back in alignment. Yeah. Um, and you, you added to it, you know, and you said, Hey, sometimes, you know, you got to power it off when you hit that reset button and it has the power back up and you lose everything temporarily. It's inconvenient. It's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's painful because you had a word doc, you know, and you were 10,000 words in and it's gone. And then when you reboot, it refreshes, it doesn't come back right. and you just have to let go and start over. And I think that's what God has allowed in the world right now. It's like he pressed the refresh or the reboot button on our computers, but on planet Earth, yeah. we're in that power down phase. Mm -hmm. um, and soon, BC Nation, we're going to be in the power up phase. There but when we power up, let's make sure that we're looking up. Let's make sure that we're looking up to the only one that's in control of this planet and, and really get how human and frail and broken we actually are. And if you haven't got that yet, look around you. Right. Look around you at all the things that are human made and how they're failing us right now. Then look around you at all the things that are God made and how they're still running perfectly. Right. Nature, beauty. I'm here in Tampa, Florida. It's sunny and 85 degrees. Absolutely gorgeous. Mm. We hear the birds chirping every day and it's like you would never know there's anything happening in the world. 
No, nature doesn't know. I mean, my dogs nature don't know. know. You know, my my the feral cats that, that live at my house don't know. Do you know why? Because they're all they're all looking up at their creator, their maker. Yeah. That's why they're not taken out by this. So uh, I just offer that encouragement. Let's go into your story, Bob. Um, so you were raised in a home with faith, without faith, a denomination. Yeah, Paint I us was, a vivid picture and then bring us to present day. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a real condensed version. I was, uh, I, like to, I like to say I was raised a certain sort of way. Um, uh, I was raised in a, in a, in a home where uh, racism was probably tilted towards uh, there were uh, there were instances that that certainly shaped me. There was violence in my home. Um, there was there was an awful lot of abuse in my home, uh, and some things that I don't really want to go into uh, just because people are still alive. But uh, here's here's the crazy thing: when I was 12 years old, we lived on a ranch in Roseburg, Oregon, which is a, a very rural place in in southern Oregon, and uh, and we were the caretakers of this 800 acre ranch and stuff got real bad. And I walked out into the middle of a field at 12 years old. My mother had found Jesus when I was 10 and I had a stepdad, two sisters, and uh, my mother found Jesus. So we were going to church. I did not know him, but I, I now had a little bit of a working knowledge from going to church when, when my stepfather would allow us to go. And uh, at 12, I stepped out in the middle of a field and just gave my life to Satan. I just gave it to him. I said, Hey, here's the thing. I'll do whatever you want me to do, but you got to let me do what I want to do, which at that point in time, you want vulnerability at that point in time was murder. I was so angry and so broken. I was torturing animals. I would break the glass out of buildings just to hear the sound because it would send a rush through me. And if anyone, Joseph had been paying attention I would have been put away because uh, anyone who knows anything knows that, that these are signposts of someone who's going to grow up and do terrible things. Um, at 15, I did not find Jesus. He found me. And I mean, he found me supernaturally. I, I had just finally stood up to my stepdad. I beat him within an inch of his life. Um, I told him if he ever laid a hand on any of us again, he I would kill him. I was out of the house for a time. I got things blew over. I came home, but I just stayed in my room. I love the Beach Boys song, In My Room, because that's where I that, that's where I found peace. It's the only place I had. So in my room watching Monday Night Football, October of 1972, I'm eating a bowl of cereal because I'm not even eating with my family um, because there's so much anger. Uh, when I hear a voice in my head saying, turn off the TV and go pray. And, uh, and I ignored it. It came back a second time, then a third time. And the third time, I thought my head was going to explode. Now, I did believe in God. I believed in supernatural. I believed in things. And so I paid attention, and I turned the TV off, although I really didn't know him. And I, I went into a, a private room. I knelt down with my Bible, and at 15 minutes, I'm praying, and nothing's happening. And finally, I just looked up at the ceiling, and I said, hey, I don't I don't know what you want. I think you called me in here, but how am I supposed to know what your voice sounds like if you don't speak to me? And I took my Bible. I closed my eyes. I let the Bible fall and just put my finger down. I'm 15, you know, and right where my finger is, is Ezekiel chapter two, verse one. And it says, son of man, 
stand on your feet and I will speak to you. It was one of those moments. It was one of those moments where I'm telling you beyond any shadow of doubt, I did not find Jesus. He found me. And I think that's how it works. It's the reason that I put on a Santa suit and go down to what we've got a place called Union Avenue. And it really is. There's 200 children that are the children of, of trafficking victims and drug addicts. Um, it's the reason that I will sit with people in restaurants, strangers. It's the reason I'll turn to someone in a store if I feel something and say, hey, you want to give me your phone number and let me buy you breakfast. It's what I do. I am a finder, just like Jesus is. That's why I'm here. The, the broken are not going to find him. We have to find them. So uh, it becomes my purpose in life and my great joy to, uh, to be the hands and feet of the gospel on this earth because at 15, during Monday Night Football, he found me. Mm. Powerful, powerful, powerful story. So I got to ask. Sure. 15 years old. Yep. You read Ezekiel. Mm -hmm. Son of man, stand and you will hear my voice. What did he say? What did you hear? Uh, I, I continued to read. I didn't hear his. his now, I, I, now, I have to tell you, I, I'm one of those freaky guys who supernatural things happen to. I really am. I, there, there are times, Joseph, that I can, that I walk up to somebody and I already know their name. I know things about them because I've walked with God for so long. And I think he really wants to communicate to us. When his voice hits me in the back of my head or wherever, wherever it is, I know his voice. It's different than other voices. I just know when it's him. And I trust him. And, and he knows that I'm that crazy person on earth who's going to say yes when he, when he talks to me. Um, so, um, Ezekiel two and three is the call on Ezekiel and he was called to the church and, and the Lord told Ezekiel, uh, just say what I tell you to say. They're not going to listen to you. Uh, I'm not sending you to people of a strange speech and a strange language. If I sent you to them, they'd listen, but I'm sending you to your own people and they're not going to listen. It's okay. I'm going to give you a, a hard head, set a forehead like Flint and a strong back don't be intimidated. Um, I didn't tell anybody what happened with that incident. Three years later, uh, I'm, I'm in a public meeting where I am called out by three pretty famous men in a movement I was in. And they began to almost verbatim quote back to me what the Lord had told me when I was 15. There is a call on you. You're going to be, you're going to have messages that the church is not going to accept. It's going to give you a strong head, boom, strong back. You're going to be able to stand and it's okay. So that's been my life a bit. Uh, I, I walk, uh, it's why I love Wayne so much because Wayne and I are, are, I don't know if this will make sense or not. We're, we're kind of broken in the same ways. Um, we've been down some roads. We, we've suffered disappointment. We've been misunderstood uh, for, for, you know, large portions of our lives. And when those things happen, it's an opportunity for the spirit of God to come in. And uh, I'm a big identity guy. I, I really think that it's important. There, there's a couple of things, you know, uh, who am I? Who is God? And why am I here? 
when I sit with people, these are the things that I try to drill in on. Those three questions answer everything for everybody. Who is God? Who am I? Why am I here? And the who am I is a big deal because 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, you know, love is patient, love is kind. At the end of that, it becomes the identity chapter. It says, for now we see through a glass darkly, but when we see face to face, we'll know even as we are known. That's interesting because I grew up and I went to Bible college. Nobody ever taught me this. I just happened to see it. Uh, the Greek word for window is not window. It's not, we're not seen through a, a window. It's we're seen in a mirror dimly. Now, what do you see when you look in a mirror, Joseph? You see yourself. We have no idea who we are. But the closer we get to the throne, the more we allow Jesus to do his work in us, the more we realize who we are and why we're here. I couldn't agree with you anymore. That was my own personal experience, was spending yeah. an hour a day in silence with the Father yeah, and getting to know who he was first. Right. And in getting to know him, I saw the reflection of me in his eyes. Because why? We're made in his image and likeness. Thank Many you. of us start with the wrong intention, I think. I know I did, which, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And we do all the self-improvement books, the Tony Robbins, not to single out Tony Robbins, but all of them. And it's all the, the self-improvement books out there, all or purpose books, all have the same theme, in my opinion, which is look within yourself for the answers that you don't have right. in order to find out who you really are. Right. And it's like, well, if I knew who I was, I would have answered that already. So obviously I don't have well, those answers. So that's not going to work. And I've done all those books and they didn't work. But what did work was when I sat with the father in silence and just yes. listened and he spoke and I heard the quiet whisper and I was still and I cut out all the noise. And I think we're living in a time right now, Bob, where God is giving us the gift of stillness. Good. Be still and know that I am God. And we just got stripped of all our distractions, all the noise. Right. We got stripped of our false identity that we can be like God. Right. We got stripped of it all. And we're starting to look up and go, man, we're not God. He is. And now we're learning to be still. You put those two things together, be still and know that he is God. You're going to find out who you are, like you're saying, Bob. And then why you're here and what does God want you to do? Right. And I think that's everything. That's what our hearts are yearning for. What shows up for you in that? That's uh, listen, you, you just completely uh, laid out exactly how things work and how things are working at this very moment, because uh, we have no choice, but to be still today. We're, we're all, I mean, if you're, if you're following the guidelines that, that are recommended by, you know, uh, local, state, and federal governments, uh, you're isolated. We, we, are, we are having no choice but to be still. Now, at the same time, um, connection is important. Uh, it's, it's why I'm reaching out to, to those who I think are vulnerable and, and connecting with them. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm one of those guys who's convinced that technology got right to the place where it needed to be. Uh, and then the Lord presses the reset button because uh, even though we're not able to be in the same room together, we are able to find, we're, we're finding out that the church wasn't walls the whole time. The church wasn't pews the whole time. We're finding out 
that that everything is way bigger and way more cosmic than we ever thought. And that excites me literally to my bones. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that gets me up every day. Love it. All right. So let's speak about real quickly. We have a few minutes left. Not much, right? This sure. It flies by, but I it let does. the Holy Spirit lead the conversations. And let's speak about your book here, A Language for Healing, Creating Safe Environments for Conversations about Race, Politics, Sexuality, and Religion. BC Nation, we're speak, speaking with Bob Prater. He's the co-author of this. You can find it at alanguageofhealing.com, alanguageofhealing.com. Bob, why did you feel the need to co-write this book? And what does my listener get or need by reading this book? Um, why should they go and get this? I, I honestly think that this is an important book. Uh, and especially for where we are, the polarization um, in this world, not just this nation, but in this nation, it's ridiculous. Um, we identify as either red or blue. We identify as either black or white. We identify as gay or straight. And, and meanwhile, there is a bigger picture of connection. So uh, when I began to do a Christian and a Muslim walk into a studio with, with uh, Ahmad Mirza, my podcast partner, he was the only practicing Amir in the entire United States, the only recognized officially Amir, which meant he was over an entire region. Um, he's like a district supervisor, you know, in a, in a church environment, but that's who he was. Very important, very well respected. And as I began to learn about his life, I found out that we had way more in common than we had not in common. And, uh, and so we, we began to, to talk about things like his love for the Dallas Cowboys. Cause you know, I like football and, uh, and we began to talk about the, you know, what it was like to grow up different because I grew up different. And, uh, and what it was like to be a dad or, or a husband or, you know, to go through pain and all of those things. And, and as I made that, that realization that we just have so much more in common, uh, I approached Wayne, who I had known for 25 years, and I'd never, ever um, presumed upon my friend's fame. And he is pretty famous. Uh, I was just one of his friends. And I said, hey, I have this idea for a book. Would you possibly think about doing it with me? And he didn't even hesitate 30 seconds. He said, I'm in. And uh, then we, we connected with Arnita Taylor, who is a force of nature from Dallas, Texas, uh, the first African-American female pastor at Gateway Church with 36,000 members. And, uh, and it, it was off to the races. Um, this book almost wrote itself. We, we wrote the book over Zoom, by the way, because we were in three different geographic locations. Uh, every week we connected like this and we would have, we would talk about the topic and then we would generate uh, a, uh, oh, whatever it is, the, the words, we'd generate the words and uh, transcript. And then from the transcript came the book. So uh, it, it was a kick in the pants to write. It's, it's been a joy to see the impact that it's had on people uh, because people are really tired of, of being told who they have to love and who they have to hate. It gives them permission to love everybody. So that's why I think it's important. That's so powerful. It's, you know, I'm going to say it this way. I think as a nation and as a world, we are addicted to labels. Yeah. We're addicted to labels, to putting people in boxes of judgment. Right. 
of our perspective, of our opinions, and we project all our brokenness from our own childhoods, the way we see the world, our worldview, and we project it onto others rather than sitting with people and listening to who they are. We do the same thing with God, though, right? We project our perspective, our worldview, our religious view upon God. Oh, he, he's a tyrant. I did that. Why? Because I was raised in a military home, right? So I, my human dad was very military, tyrannical. God bless him. I love him deeply and, and all that. Uh, but I projected that onto my heavenly father. So if, we're, if we project our view onto God, how do we stop projecting our views and judgments onto each other? How do we yeah. do it? Give me like two or three sentences. Well, okay, you so, the so there, there's, a, there's a story in the book. Uh, uh, from me, where I talk about the, the, the loaded question that we all ask each other. Like, uh, if I had just met you, I would say, so what do you do? What do you I do? I hate that question. Me too. But how loaded is it? Because if I'm being real honest and vulnerable, if you're a doctor or if you're Joseph Warren, you're above me. If, uh, if, you're, a, if you're a day laborer or something like that, you're, you're beneath me. So now I know where I fit in the world. And we're always looking to where we fit. Um, so rather than say, you know, what, so what do you do? I always say the same thing. I, I said it to my Muslim friend the first time we sat down and had breakfast. I said, so tell me your story. Start at the beginning and don't leave anything out. I want to know it all. What, what do you say when someone pushes back and they're like, oh, well, I really don't want to talk about myself or anything like that? Because most people won't just tell you their story because there's a lot of hurt, brokenness, woundedness, all that stuff in it. What's your, what's your uh, immediate comeback to really pull that out of them? Yeah. Do you see my face right now? Do you see I me? Do. Okay. So uh, I am convinced that Jesus on this earth had a twinkle in his eye. Why else were children trying to get to him? Children trying to get to a grown man. Uh, don't bother the don't bother the master. You know, that that's the twinkle. And and I promise you, I have my father's twinkle in my eye when I sit with people. I, can I be honest with you, Joseph? I have not met the person yet when I when I say, "Tell me your story." That has not just started talking, because they they can tell when they see the twinkle that that there is someone genuine on the other side of the table. So it hasn't happened. So I, I don't know how to answer that. No, I appreciate that. That's, that's perfect. I think it's the way you're showing up. It elicits or pulls out of people uh, your authenticity that you truly want to hear their story. And everybody really truly wants to tell their story. Let's everybody real. wants to be known. All right. So that's your first tip. I'm asked for your two more spiritual tips for uh, BC Nation. So the first is invite people to tell you their story and leave nothing out. That's the first thing. What do you, what's your number two and three? Uh, number two is don't be afraid to love deeply. And, and uh, I was one who was guilty of withholding my love, waiting for people to catch up and do what I thought they needed to do in their lives to be worthy of my love. And, uh, and I found out that some of that stuff is above my pay grade. It's why I sit with, with so many broken and forgotten. It's why I sit with LGBTQ uh, because they are the primary misunderstood. And uh, so I sit with them and I do not withhold. I do not withhold my love. 
I do not withhold my giftings. I do not withhold my encouragement uh, because this is all above my pay grade. You know, I sit with people who dress uh, as an opposite gender. I sit with people who, who, you know, they're the people that are just rejected. These are the and people Jesus would have sat with. I am convinced of it. And so we, we don't withhold our love and we don't expect them, you know, listen, yeah, wait a minute. You didn't do what I asked you to do from the last time we met. I, I'm not that guy. I am not that guy. I'm the guy who is going to consistently pour in and I'm never going to lose hope. So that's the, that's the second one is love. And then the, the last one for me is truly uh, connection. Connection is, is one of the most powerful words in the English language where, where um, it's like the fusion of two things. Two things become one. In my marriage, uh, we connect. And, and there, there's something that literally does happen where two people become one. And, and so connecting with others, it, it's that thing that we talked about just a few minutes ago. Everybody wants to be known. And, and I mean, that's from Australia to Alaska. Everybody on this planet wants to be known. There, there's a desire within us to be known because we're made in the image and likeness of God. And he wants to be known by us. That's awesome. Beautiful. All right, BC Nation, invite people to tell you their story and leave out no details. Be genuine. Have the twinkle of your father in your eye. Number two, be not afraid to love deeply. And number three, connect with others deeply. Mm -hmm. uh, this is from Bob Prater. We're speaking with, uh, he's the co-author of uh, a language of healing.com. You can find him at a language of healing.com. He wrote the book on it. He's the guy. He's the guy. <laughs> I'm the guy. You're the guy. And so uh, listen, what you said, you know, I could go so much deeper with this topic, especially with LGBT community and everything. And, uh, you know, with our own Christian beliefs and, and, you know, Jesus's commands and, and there's so many things that we have to wrestle with on the inside of us to sit down um, and just see the person for who they are, not what they do. Right. Who they are, not what they do. And it goes back to your original question. Hey, what do you do? Right. right? Like if we brought that question into people, hey, what do you do? Well, I do LGBT. You know, that's my lifestyle. Okay. <laughs> or I dress the opposite gender. That's what I do. It's not who I am. Right. Well, who are you? Tell me your story. Right. Well, I'm hurt. I'm broken. I'm wounded. Someone stole my trust. You know, I, I'm confused about God, etc. Isn't it so much more easier to have that conversation? Because that's the conversation we all connect on. Well, I'm broken too. Man, I, I'm confused about God too. I struggle with that same thing too, etc. Rather than focus on the what people do or what they've done, BC Nation, focus on who they are. There it is. And how alike they are to you. Right. Bob, anything you want to add to that? Well, I, I you know, uh, image and likeness. Image and likeness. It, it it's such a big deal. If you look at the if you look at it in, in Genesis when he says and it that we are created in the, in the image and likeness. Um, it's a unique Hebrew word. Now those words, image and likeness show up throughout the old Testament, but they are unique one-off Hebrew words in Genesis. They'd never show up again. Uh, and I have yet to find uh, any kind of an academic that can answer why that is. Well, 
it's because we really are made in the image and likeness of our creator. He made us to be like us. It's why the enemy hates us so much. Remember when Lucifer went and said, I will be like you. And then he casts him to earth. He casts him to a place that isn't even, it's, it's formless and, and void. It doesn't have anything in it. And then he decides to come and populate the earth. And then he creates us. And he says in our image and likeness, let us make him. And whoa, if I were the enemy, if I were Lucifer, after I demanded it to be like him, and then he just puts people on the earth. Well, there's no wonder he's pretty pissed off. <laughs> Makes sense. So BC Nation, remember this. We are made in the image and likeness of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if we are made in their image and likeness, then guess what? We are actually very similar to each other, aren't we? Yes, we are. Why? Because we have the same father. Yep. The same way siblings are very alike. Why? Because they share the same father. Yes, good. Like this is, this is what we must remember and take away the labels and just see our siblings, our brothers and sisters with the same father. All right, Bob, we got to wrap this up. Welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. Come on, I'm, man. Going, I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it just for fun. Are you ready? Sure. Sir? I'm in. All right. What's your favorite thing about God? That he loves me. What's your least favorite thing about God? I, I don't have any. If you did. Uh, there are things in the Bible I don't understand. Yeah. What are you most afraid of? Of who? Of not loving deeply enough. It's like that guy in Schindler's List at the end, Oscar Schindler, who says, wait a minute, this wristwatch. You know, I, I could have saved 10 more. Um, I want to be that guy. Mm, got it. And if you're just being real and transparent with all of us right now, I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. What are you struggling with either personally or professionally right now? Uh, phew, I, I'm, I'm not a very disciplined person. I'm just not, I, you, you can see a little bit of my office. This is a, uh, this is a perch for my macaw behind me. My macaw comes in every once in a while and hangs out with me. But if you saw the floor of my office, it is, there's a path from the door to my desk. Uh, my mind is, it doesn't work that way. So yeah, I struggle with that. I'm trying to write another book and, uh, and I just keep getting distracted by shiny things. Got it. Thank you for that. What did you spend way too much time doing in your 20s? Screwing up, judging people, not loving deeply enough. I was the most judge. Can I, can I be honest? I was the most judgmental bastard on the face of the earth. How's that? Hmm. What secret fear do you have about people? What secret pardon? Fear. Do you oh. have about people? Secret fear about people um, is that they know things I don't know. <laughs> what do you wish you had learned sooner about God? That he's not who I thought he was. Thank God. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Same for me. What's a new habit you want to form? Uh, I would really like to be more disciplined. I mean, my gosh. I mean, I'm, I'm being real transparent with you. My wife would be yelling amen if she were in the room. <laughs> what's a bad habit you want to break uh i have a pretty quick temper i i literally chase some guys down i sell things online every once in a while it's another way i make a living 
and uh, some some dudes came up and and I saw a guy walking to my door. I I went to the door just in time to see him pick up five outgoing packages and run back to the car. Uh, I'm an idiot. I I tried to you know break their window and when that didn't work, I stood in in the middle of the street and said stop, and they floored it and just went through me. So I spent a day in the hospital. I've got broken ribs. I'm still healing. Um, you know I'm impetuous. I I live sometimes too much in the moment. Uh, can I call you Peter? No, Peter. Peter. Oh, sure. Let's go. That's me. I'll, I'll cut off somebody's ear for you. I got no problem. You know, here's the good news. Jesus chose him as the rock of stability, even though he was the most impetuous of all of them. Right. Riddle me that, Batman. Yeah, That's no, exactly. It doesn't make, right? he, he chooses the unlikely to show yes. the world who he is. That's it. This way, only he can be glorified because nobody would believe it was Peter or you or me. <laughs> or All me, right. All right. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Uh, I'm going to throw in impetuous for the first okay. one. Okay, <laughs> impetuous, uh, loving, and sincere. Love it. Pick three words to describe who you are before Jesus came and found you. Still impetuous, judgmental, and arrogant. Mm. And last question, Bob, if you could come back to life after you died, Look your family and friends in the eye. Give them only one piece of advice about everything, eternity, all of it, life. What would you say to them? Love better. Love deeper. Love longer. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about having a deeper relationship with God versus all not? Right. Here we go. 2 Corinthians 5.19. It's Paul. And he says that Jesus came reconciling us back to the Father because relationship had been broken by sin. And he says, so here's how he, here's how he reconciled us back, Jesus. And he gives this list of 10 things. No, it's one. One thing that Jesus did that reconciled us. The sin that separated us, he's no longer counting it. It doesn't count. And then instead of giving that ministry to the Holy Spirit, here you go, Holy Spirit, it, it's now on you. He gives it to us. We carry the ministry of reconciliation with us to reconcile people back to God. So how do I do it? I sit with people who tell me the most heinous things, things that should shock me. And I look at them and I say, that's okay. I don't carry judgment. I just don't. It doesn't count with God and it doesn't count with me. And the moment we start counting people's sins against them is the moment we are driving them far from the kingdom. That's how things work. There it is. Love it. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive we. others theirs. Yep. That is the key. All right. So we're speaking with Bob Prater. Bob, uh, where does BC Nation find you? Anything you got going on you want to share? Go. For yeah, it. you can get at me on, on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Bob Prater. At, uh, on Facebook, I'm uh, Bob Prater. You can just find me. You'll see me. And uh, connect with me. And, and uh, seriously, if you'd, if you'd like to just Listen, if any of you would like to have a Zoom session with me and just have coffee, reach out. I'm 100% down. Love it. Bob, thank you for being on the show. And uh, BC Nation, uh, I invite you to go to josephwarren.net. Uh, if you're struggling with what I call your inner control freak, especially in these trying times right now where you're really wrestling for control and all different areas of your life, but it's being stripped of you. 
if you struggle in that area, I am the ultimate control freak. Uh, I, I give a talk across the, the country called Confessions of a Control Freak. And I discuss the five different types of control freaks that lie within and how to get rid of them and surrender them up to God. And so if you want, go to my website, justwarren.net, get the 10 easy mindset shifts to become unstoppable in 2020 by letting go of these control freaks. Uh, it's free of charge, my gift to you. So you could uh, get that right there on the homepage. Bob, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, my friend, because the joy of the Lord is my strength, BC Nation. God love you, brother. Thank you, sir. BC Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your life without building faith in your business. If you want the business side of that conversation, I have another podcast called First 100K, where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, because that's where I believe 90% of you are stuck and you can't break through. Go to first100k.com to find out how. I'm Joseph Warren. You were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you right back here next week.